back. Welcome to another episode of Cessational. I'm Jack. And I'm Leah. And we are so excited to be talking with you guys today about advice. Advice. Advice we now hate and advice we now like and some advice that we are kind of neutral on. Yeah. A lot of it's stuff that we heard growing up. A lot of it is, yes. That we kind of just have our own opinions on now. Yeah. After... (laughs) self-reflection. A hundred percent. I'm hoping that maybe some of this will resonate with you guys because a lot of this advice is very general. Like I've heard it in different contexts, not just family, not just church, not just work. So definitely let us know if any of these resonate with you and you, if you have a different opinion compared to maybe when you were younger or if any of the ones that we like or don't like are ones that you like or don't like. We're curious to know what you guys think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm curious to know how we have categorized them, if they're going to have lots of different thoughts or be like, oh, no, like, I, think yeah. you did. I don't know. I'm definitely curious to know. <laughs> we'll definitely see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we get started? Yeah, I am down. We're going to start with one that we love. Yes, we love it. You say it. Okay. Work smarter, not harder. Yes. Now, I saw on a BuzzFeed list of some of these advice quotes that some people will use this as an excuse to cut corners. Mm -hmm. I think that can be true, but I think for a lot of workaholics and people who, well, when we grew up, we were kind of told that you have to work really hard. And I mean, the work has to be hard. It has to be harder. Grueling or tedious or like just not fun at all. Yeah. To equal success. Yes, like blood, sweat, and tears. Like blood all the time. Not even like, There will always be periods where you have to, I think, work a bit harder than you would. Absolutely. But for it to be all day, every day, it is just known as the grind or the hustle. I mean, burnout is just inevitable. Yeah. And there are times when maybe using leverage where you have it, using other creative ideas Mm -hmm. when you have them, instead of just doing it hard because you're supposed to be. Yeah, because you have, I don't know, some type of stigma that... You haven't earned success because you haven't, I don't know, bled to get there. Like, yeah. it also takes work to be smart. Sure. To be inventive or creative and problem solve. There's kind of the concept of planning yeah. in order to create the outcome that you're looking for, right? Right. So there's a difference when you're figuring out a problem in the middle of figuring out the problem and in the middle of like being over your head versus seeing the problem and trying to figure out some stuff before you even start. You know what I mean? Like I can understand where that can be really helpful. Proactive. Yeah. So I like it because for my workaholic ass, it kind of gives me some ideas that I wouldn't normally think of. Right. If I think along those lines, what's a way to work smarter? What's a way to work outside the box too? I would maybe associate with this a little bit. Right. Like for example, if... If you're trying to grow a business, and in our day and age, it makes more sense to market your business via TikTok than going door to door in the middle of summer. It's just the way that the world is now. It just makes sense. Yeah. Right. Where some people might just be like, fuck TikTok. Right. And go door to door. I think it can depend. I really think it can depend, but I think... That's where you know what you want to do, what you're trying to achieve. Use what leverage you have. It's okay if your path is slightly different than what you've been told it should be to get there. Right, 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 right. That's it. That's it. Yes. Yes. Should we do a hate it? Yes. 
Okay, one that I absolutely hate is <laughs> do or do not. There is no try. Oh, wait. Do or do not. <laughs> I can't do a Yoda. But yeah, do or do not. There is no try. I hate that. And that's from Star Wars. Do you hate it? I do now. You do. I do. You do or do not. I do. <laughs> do you or do you not? Do you there do is I do no not. try. I don't like it. And a lot of people do. They yeah. still kind of hold on to this idea And I personally don't like it because you have to try stuff to figure out whether or not you like it or you want to do said thing. It puts so much pressure. Yeah. On succeeding or failing. Yes. Can't someone just try? Can't they just experiment? Can't they just explore? Right. That doesn't mean that they failed if if they they try it and they don't like it. Right. In a way, it kind of reminds me a little bit of that quote from Dark Knight Rises where don't use the rope. If you're going to do this thing and you don't have anything to fall back on, I understand where there's going to be even more of a push of a motivation of a... To make it work. To make it work. I get that. But I think do or do not can be paralyzing. Yes. Because you're going to be like, it's got to be the best or I can't do it at all. And, right, right, and, right. And that gets in the way of, like, for me, if I want to be exercising more, if I don't do it, what, perfectly, then I'm never going to try it. Like, right. Do you see what I'm saying? So, like, I think this actually kind of goes with another one later on we were going to talk about, which is progress over perfection. I think yeah. it gets in the way of that because yeah. you're not going to make progress. You just want to do it perfectly. You yeah. want to do it or not at all. I think that can be dangerous for progress. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So this one we considered neutralish. We have a neutralish category yeah. where some of them we might be like, it's mostly good. It's mostly good. It's mostly good. What was that? <laughs> Is that from uh Princess Bride? Mostly, mostly good. good. Or like remember. mostly dead. Mostly dead. Mostly dead. She's mostly dead. She's mostly, She's mostly dead. dead. Not all dead. Mostly dead. <laughs> not all. Not all dead. <laughs> mostly dead. This is not all good. This is mostly good. Mostly good, but maybe some tweaks. Yeah. Some uh, cessational redefinitions yeah. here. First one up for neutralish is good things come to those who wait. Yeah. I think that could be almost entirely true, except if you are only waiting and not doing anything else and not doing anything else to make whatever this is come to fruition. The fuck? You can't just sit on your ass and wait for things to happen. expect great things to happen. Yeah. I think that in the process of pursuing things, you have to be patient, mm. which is the waiting. Mm-hmm. But I like the quote, despite me not entirely being Christian anymore. I like the yeah. quote, you got to meet God halfway. Like, I think that's true. Oh. I think you have to. And that's from where the red fern grows, actually, that quote. Oh, really? Yeah, you got to meet God halfway. I think that you are fooling yourself. Yeah. If you can just think it into existence. Right. Because that's only part of it. <laughs> that's only a small part of it. Yeah. And we love Mel Robbins. We talk about her a lot yes, already. We do. Love you, Mel. But um, she talks about, you know, not just visualizing the end game and the results and the win, but visualizing the journey, like expecting the hard yeah. things, which also makes it easier in a way to be patient because you're expecting this. You're expecting the hardship. Right. You're expecting the roadblocks. So, yes, good things can come to those who are waiting and working for it. Yeah, Not just waiting. waiting. <laughs> yeah. And I would say even with working on things, I've had to be patient. Like, I think patience, it just comes with the territory when you're thinking about trying to reach your goals, reach the things that matter to you. Yeah. You got to be patient. Yeah. I absolutely. do think that's true. Me too. Another one. Ah. Uh, 
This one's really good. Okay. Time heals all wounds. I like. I, I do like this one. I like this one. Wow. Time does heal. And we've had to do this. We've had to not only give it time, but we've had to actually like physically separate ourselves. Distance. Distance ourselves from what we needed to heal from. Right, right. And that combination has worked and being self-aware, like you got to know, having time and distance, you're more able to be self-aware and just aware of what any bad stuff that's happened to you, stuff that you're trying to heal from. There's an element of if you're caught in a toxic pattern, right. you need to be out of that pattern. You need to be out of it to see it. To see it and then to heal from it. Right. Yeah. Time has helped me. Like, I can say that, but I would also add what's happening during that time. Mm-hmm. So what you doing? Are, right. Are you still in another abusive or toxic relationship? Yeah. What's the environment that you're in? I do think that stuff matters a lot. So I would say, yes, time does heal. I think all, if not most, wounds. I think it can heal all wounds. I think it depends on, I mean, it depends on how deep the wound is. And where you're at, I think, in the span of your life. Like, sure. I think... Some things might not be completely healed by the time you're gone. Right, right. Like, if I'm going to go on to the next chapter tomorrow, <laughs> some things I don't think I would be completely healed from, but that doesn't mean that time hasn't helped me heal from them. Right, it doesn't mean that you're not progressing in that healing at all. Right, 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 right. But it might not be 100% complete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally resonate with that. So one that I absolutely hate with a passion. I hate this because it is true. Okay, it is true. That's not the problem. Right. The problem is this is as dismissive as it gets when anybody is going through something hard. And that that advice is someone ha- oh, someone God. else has it worse or someone always has it worse no. than you. Yeah. Duh. No shit. Like, like, no shit. If you are in any first world country, you can just guarantee that there's other people who have it worse. That doesn't help anybody feel better after a death, after oh they've lost all their money. No. If they're in the middle of a health crisis, that doesn't help anybody feel better. I would say if you're in a place where you can have that perspective and not be shitting on yourself. Right, 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 right. Good on you. Like, that's yeah. great. But it's also okay if that doesn't make you feel good. Like, mm-hmm. if that doesn't help. There is a... Uh, I love this image so much. I want to see if maybe I could post it with this episode, but a little trigger warning from this image, but it's really powerful. There is a mother wolf and a baby wolf, yeah. right? A baby pup. And the mother wolf has dozens of arrows in her back and she's still standing. The baby wolf has one arrow and it it's dead. The concept to be that pain is relative, you know, depending on how strong someone is, and that is debatable in terms of what that means. What you that know? looks like, yeah. Someone could be weak physically, but super strong mentally, right? So the idea that someone else has it worse, someone will always have it worse. I don't want to ever say that to somebody who's going through something tough because unless they are at a point where they are using that pain to be a self-absorbed piece of shit— Yes. Do you know what I mean? And they aren't caring about anybody else anymore. Mm-hmm. Because some people need to be reminded that, look, I'm trying to help you, but I'm also hurting too, right? Like there's right. an element where sometimes in people's pain, it can breed this self-absorption, I would say, that becomes dangerous to other relationships or friendships that you have. Yeah. Because there are other people who might be trying to be there for you. And they're also overlooking some of their own needs to try to be that for you. Yeah. And if someone isn't 
acknowledging that, I think that's dangerous too. Yeah. So someone always has it worse. Yes. That wouldn't be my go-to at a fucking funeral or some shit. You know no, what I'm saying? No, because it's dismissive. It's almost like, here, get over your pain. Someone else has it worse. Yeah. So just suck Grow it up pair. and deal with it. And that's not, you have to validate the pain that you feel and what yes. you're going through to be able to heal from it. A hundred percent. You can't just pretend it doesn't hurt you. Right. And a lot of times it's like the people who I find say this kind of thing, someone else has a word to do with it. They tend to be pretty self-absorbed. And it's mm. like, but when they feel the pain. Everybody oh, else has to feel it. Oh, yeah. Everybody else got to sit with them through it. Everybody else got to work their life around them to get through it. But That's like. interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. I'm not entirely sure in my own experience how that's played out, but yeah. I would say that it is not what you want to hear at no. any point. I mean, not that I know of. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can see it as maybe something you do as a wake-up call, but I wouldn't even say that specific phrase. I'd say, hey, just so you know, I've also been hurting and I've been trying to give, and now I'm finding myself at a, kind of a tough place because I'm being hurt by helping you or whatever the situation is. Yeah. And everybody's breaking points looks different, too. Exactly. Like... you can be mad about you know relationship stuff family stuff and what sets you off is that there isn't a trash bag in the trash can and it like that's it that's it and then your spouse is like why you know why are you freaking out over just that and it's not just that like that's the whole point it's not just that it's the straw it's everything Uh uh-huh the straw that broke the camel's back exactly agreed do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's one that I feel pretty neutral and like. Yeah. Like, I like that one. And it is a Christian one, technically. It is, like, called the golden rule. It is. I would say that that really holds up. I think my only yeah. caveat is what's your relationship to yourself? Right. If that relationship with yourself is shitty, then you saying do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you feel like crap, crap then gonna, people are going to treat you that way. Yeah, because it reflects your self-esteem. Right. So I would say it can be a really good quote for someone who knows their worth, knows yeah. they should be treated well. I don't think this quote quite applies to people pleasers. There's an element yeah. here where I think this can be dangerous where, oh, but I'm like so giving and I'm accommodating all this kind of thing. But if you wouldn't give yourself the time of day, like— Right. Are you really giving unto others or do we need to look at a different issue here? Do you know yeah. I mean? In terms of, so there's a point where you could be forsaking your own needs, your own worth to just be a doormat for other people. And that's how you're finding it. So I would say, check your self-esteem before you take this phrase into account. Yeah. And you also have to be careful that doing unto others as you would have others do unto you. Like, not everybody is going to want to be loved the way that you love to be loved. Everybody does have different love languages, too. Yes. Like, if you love physical touch and you go hugging on everybody... Some people are going (laughs) to... I might be kind (laughs) of uncomfortable with that, you know? Like, And, and that's not bad. No, I agree. I agree. This one, I have come to love. You have come. (laughs) This one... (laughs) You have come. I shouldn't have paused. (laughs) That was really bad timing. This one, I have learned to love. The tough way. The tough way. Yeah. So, growing up, I always thought this quote was stupid. Yeah. Okay? And the quote is, you must love yourself before you can love other people. Yeah. What? Because in my head, I'm like, but I love my family. I love my friends. Mm -hmm. Or my friend. (laughs) (laughs) 
My singular friend. Oh my god. Uh, who was imaginary at best. But oh my god. I love my friend. Later on, I love my partner, right? Yeah. So so who the why the fuck do I need to love myself? Right. What does that mean? What's that mean? What's yes. that look like? Am I self-absorbed or selfish yeah. for loving myself? Right. Conceited. Yes. For loving myself. Right. And it wasn't until college time where I got to a place where I was probably the most at odds with myself I'd ever been. I just absolutely hated myself. And because I did, because I was at that place, my romantic relationship with Noah, right? Yeah. That was really suffering because Mm -hmm. he would try to be nice to me and kind to me, right? And I started to just reject the kindness because I did not feel worthy of that kindness, I did not feel like I was lovable. So if that becomes the case, then yes, it is hard to let other people love you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think you can still love people, but it's going to limit your ability to be loved and to continue the depth of a relationship if you can't accept love back. Like, yeah. then what is that? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Wow. What do you think broke the cycle? Because I feel like a lot of us, like I'm still working on what loving myself looks like. Like I think one of the best pieces of advice I've heard about this, I heard this on the podcast with Ashley Graham called Uh Pretty Big Deal, and she had Demi Lovato on. Wow. Some people have different feelings about Demi Lovato. I'm not here to talk about about that. (laughs) But what I'm here to talk about is what Demi said, which was, I just need to be able to look into a mirror and accept myself. Yeah. To accept what I'm seeing, to not start picking every fucking detail apart and every part of me apart. You know what I mean? And that hit me really hard because I'm like, if you're at the bottom of this pit, loving yourself seems like a goddamn fantasy. It seems like a fucking delusional fantasy. It just Mm -hmm. seems impossible at that place, right? I've always been at odds with my physical appearance, weight fluctuations, what have you. So to hear some of these other female influencers, right, these plus-size influencers or whatever say, you know, you got to love yourself and I've been able to love myself. And I'm like, how the fuck is that possible? I was angry. To be honest, I was angry because I'm like, that doesn't seem possible for me. Or genuine do you think right sure there's like maybe they're lying right themselves oh my god yeah I mean that's what I'm saying when you're at this place it just doesn't seem possible so I would say for me a big component of this was my environment I did not have people who were grounding me around me right I was mostly with myself and my own mind was sick so if I'm only with my mind and my mind is the thing that needs some help you're kind of expecting miracles coming out your ass if you can just, you know what I mean? I'm not saying it's not possible, okay? Because I'm still here. But what I'm saying is that you have got to change something. Change your environment. Get some therapy. Something has got to change because you do need to break a cycle. Yeah. You need to change your perspective. And it can start with as simple as just accepting. Instead of judging your body or judging your performance in a social conversation. Oh my God. Instead of judging it and assigning a good, bad, neutral (laughs) to Uh it, you just accept that it happened. Just accept it. All right. And that's not catastrophic. That's not catastrophic. It doesn't have to be a crazy thing. But just starting there. And for me, a big part of 
a lot of my ability to grow has been my environment change in the sense that I was not alone out of college. I was around other people who grounded me. I kind of was rehabilitated in a way from that. Yeah. Okay, so if there's stuff that needs to change, change it to get out of that cycle. If you can, that is the way, I think, or that is one of the ways. That is the way. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. But the reason why loving yourself before you can love other people is so powerful is just if you are in a state where, because I wasn't initially in that state. I wasn't quite in the state of, I just hate myself, right? Right. Not at the surface. It got to that point Mm -hmm. because I wasn't where I should be in a relationship that's intimate, right? And it's scary because you're vulnerable and your best and worst parts show. So it can do wonders for you if you can be a little less mean Mm. to yourself to be on your own team. Neutral at least. Neutral Neutral at least. leads to good things. I agree. Now I come at it from an understanding that I didn't quite have as a teenager. I really thought the quote was bullshit. Yeah. Now I think it's, no, I think there's some truth. It's (laughs) necessary. It's necessary. And again, I'm not saying I didn't love Noah before I came to this realization, but there were limits to the kind of love I could receive as well, which also got in the way of our ability to love each other and grow together. So, And what your love was built on. Like yes. if, you're, if your self-esteem is plummeted, has plummeted, you could be leaning on your partner or your friendships to, as a crutch, like an unhealthy exactly. way of feeding your worth. Yeah, a hundred percent. No, like a thousand percent. Wow. Yeah. No, that's actually, that's a really good point. If you don't love yourself, then you do tend to depend too much, almost like a leech, a little bit. Right. And then like the way that you love them is affected by that. Yeah. Because then you're, there's some self-seeking stuff happening. You're looking for them to validate everything. About you. About you because you can't do it for yourself. No, because you don't believe it yourself. Right. But then for me, what happened was I had done that. I had looked for his validation, looked for it, looked for it, looked for it. And then I just couldn't accept it anymore. I'm like, you know what? You're lying to me. You're saying good things about me. You're saying I'm beautiful. And you know what? You're lying to me. It got to that point where I was just like, there's no way. There's no way. And how in the fuck can you be in a relationship with somebody who's literally saying, yeah, compliments are a love language. And then, you know what? I don't believe you. You're lying. Wow. That's tough. That's a tough situation to be in. So, yeah, this one I have learned to to love to hold dear to my heart yeah I love you and I've never like leaned on you I don't think as an unhealthy crush <laughs> I think we probably had our times I think we probably have had our times but we, we we're better now you know yeah we both have kind of come to our own which is what we're trying to advocate for right because it's tough it is hard I, I think it's a years long process yeah especially when you don't have that early on in your childhood and you have to relearn it as an you adult have to relearn it yeah oh my god I think that's most of adulthood is relearning things that you weren't told or or stuff taught taught. oh I don't like this one choose happiness is the advice and we put together these two because they're pretty similar choose happiness and the difference between a good day and a bad day is your outlook and I'm just gonna say if you have depression you can't 
the fuck? This isn't. When your mind is sick, and I love the way that you put that, it's like you can't. Do you choose to be sick? No, but it affects the way you live your life for that. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I think there are ways you can look at something and make it good. But if you're also just ignoring, mm. you know, the cause of why bad days are happening. Oh. Choose happiness. You don't want to pretend it. You know what? I think that also creates a shameful element too. Like Pressure too. Pressure sort of expectations that can be so hard to reach if you were in yeah like telling you to choose happiness when like you're in that dark place in college with noah and like trying to bitch i was trying like like, (laughs) right i was like i was trying and it wasn't working like you don't address the problem right it's like that's the surface of the of the iceberg there no i agree i think that one you need more than just choosing it yeah boo some people have really strong willpower okay and but, it can look different, though. Like, choosing happiness also looks different. I don't know. Like, for somebody who is depressed, choosing happiness, it might just... Feeling a little bit more neutral about yourself and your body and your... Right. You have to be realistic with it. It doesn't mean choose to always think of rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. What's that line from the Lorax? The, Katie, I poop rainbows and- oh the, not the lorax uh, oh Horton sorry here's a who Horton here's a who the other one in my world everyone's a pony they all eat rainbows and poop butterflies that's great katie <laughs> that's beautiful katie <laughs> that's beautiful katie oh my god watch that movie if you want it's fucking crazy it's a trippy movie <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of trippy <laughs> yeah that's unrealistic to be having a thing of uh rainbows and butterflies and pooping that i mean my oh god, my god. What a fantasy. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's not always as simple as choosing it. Uh, this one is a neutral one. I like it. Okay. I like it neutral. It's not—it's oh, tough. It's a per situation. Like, it's okay. not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. The advice is to never go to sleep angry. You know what? I'm going to add another one to this, another unexpected one. The other one that I've heard before, this is a weird one. I I wonder if Noah is going to disagree with me, but there was a time, this is a few years back, right before we got married, where I was checking out his college that he was at, and he had this, like, favorite professor there, right? And I got to meet him and everything. He was a nice guy. And he said his one, like, piece of advice for us being married was to hold each other's hands, like, when you're fighting, so, like, you're not standing very far apart, you're sitting down and you're holding each other's hands kind of close. And I was like, okay, but as time has gone on, I don't feel very safe or very able to think properly if I'm if I'm holding somebody's hands, right? Like I just Yeah. What I tend to do is I need to like back up and make sure that I'm like at a safe distance sometimes. Yeah. Not because Noah is gonna be a threat, but because I feel like I can say things better. I don't know what that is, but I just need, sometimes I'll stand and I'll just stay farther back, you know. No, no, it does feel safer. I don't know. Like, I get that. I don't know what that is, but I feel like sometimes maybe there could be a, a trickiness because holding hands could almost feel a little bit like you're manipulating a person into not saying what they really mean or really feel. Maybe there's that fear for me. I don't really know. Because I've got to be honest, and 
I think it's harder if I'm trying to like what we're going to talk about the other part of this thing, which is the don't go to bed angry. If I don't feel really cuddly and really lovey, it's hard for me to want to hold your hand in that moment. It is. And I don't want that being forced. Right. It's I don't like that. So that was when I heard that I was kind of like, oh, maybe that's a good idea. As time has gone on, I can't do that. No. And then going to bed angry. I'm sorry. I kind of derailed. I feel that. Like there's something about wanting that space. And I'm all about making up after being honest and talking about stuff after you're angry. But it feels like you're trying to, again, it almost kind of reminds me of dismissing. Let's dismiss it by like Mm. touching each other and kind of getting distracted that way. It's like, no, no, no. We got shit to talk about. Let's let's handle that. Yeah. I think it depends on a couple. I don't like to go to sleep angry. I really don't. But there are times, especially if it's late in the night and y'all aren't even thinking clearly anymore because you're sleep deprived, where the world's problems aren't going to be figured out before you go to sleep. It's just not. And there have been times when like we've had to continue a conversation into the next day, but I will say I, I hate going to sleep angry. I really do. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't fall asleep when I'm angry because I just, I feel it so, so deeply, deeply. And I just want to punch it. I I get, (laughs) it is unresolved. It's so unresolved. It's unresolved tension. And then like you're by the person. Yeah. You know, and you're just like, "Mm, I am talking about relationship, relationship specifically. Don't go to sleep angry or don't let the sun go down on, you know. Without making it right or something. But I'm talking more on when you go to bed angry, like something randomly happening before you go to bed and like Mm. just angry about the toothpaste and like it leads to something else about the in-laws and it's just like a weird and then like you go to bed just like really mad at each other I'm all keen on trying to resolve that kind of stuff I totally feel that before you go to bed but the bigger problems that you might not even know are there yet like that's what I'm saying like in a relationship you don't you can't solve all the problems right there's been times too where sometimes if it's been a pretty rough fight I mean we have slept apart like, there have been yeah. times where I'll go to the couch or whatever, and that's when it's been, like, just so tense that I don't think I could fall asleep by that person. And it kind of goes back to holding that person's hands when you're really angry. Right. It's like, there is a lack of, I almost want to say safety. It's more of, there's some vulnerable tension that's still there. And it can be difficult to be physically close to somebody who I might feel hurt by emotionally. Yeah. So, I have struggled with maintaining closeness in the middle of an unresolved fight. Yeah. For me, if I can, it's almost always worth trying to resolve it before going to sleep. If you can. Yep. It depends on the situation. It depends on what's happened. Like, Sure. If you find out your person's been cheating for months on end, how are you going to resolve that before you go to bed? I have no idea. Doesn't sound like a day's convo. <laughs> no, but if they left the dishes out when you literally asked them not to and then you right. kind of let into this another weird thing, like, I feel like you can resolve that before you go to sleep. I think so. Per situation. Per couple. Per couple. You got to go with what's right for you guys and you're going to know your relationship better than me and Jack are. So sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Back to ones that we love. Oh, praise God! You ready for this one? Oh, it's not your favorite one. No, I hate this one. <laughs> she hates it, but she also knows it's painfully true, as you said earlier. Painfully true. Painfully true. And I hate that. But the quote is: "It's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all." I believe that's Alfred Lord Tennyson or something. Is really? This, this you know the, the guy's name? 
I used to have that quote on my little quote board that That's I had. That's so depressing. It is the way you're thinking about I'm it. I'm so pessimistic about this one. <laughs> I really am. There's part of me that's like, yeah, I love it and I want to hate it. I love and hate it at the same time. You want it time. to not be true. I want it to not be true. That's so true. Like, Can I, you share a little bit with oh some God. context as to what you were talking about earlier with me? Mm, okay. I feel like a lot of people will relate to this. Oh my God. I adopted a dog from a rescue shelter. I love her. She's my whole world. Her name is Rosie. She's adorable. And I have never seen myself being a pet owner. I've never really been into that idea. Believe me, I can attest to that. I thought dogs didn't like me. I just, I had this whole thing. I just didn't want to be a dog mom or a cat mom or anything. And I realized that after I got my dog and I see her just like playing around, laying on the couch, being just adorable. I'm like, oh my God. I didn't want to get a dog because I didn't want to get attached to a dog. And it's going to be just someone else that I'm going to lose. Mm. And all the other stuff, which is also partially true. I thought I wouldn't be a good dog mom and all this stuff. But the real thing was that I didn't want to grow close to another thing, to another precious little being and have that be taken away. And Mm. sitting in that, I didn't want to feel that. Mm. But (laughs) I have my dog and... She's worth it. She's, but yeah, like I love, I love her and she does bring me joy. Gosh darn it. And like, but it's it's the painful truth. Right. It just is. And there's no sweet way around that. I don't, I don't even know. Yeah. I've thought the same thing when it comes to my cat Haley and my husband. And I mean, fuck our relationship too. Cause it's like, you know, I don't, I can't, I can't really begin to think about losing you I don't even think about it I can't like it's and which also means that I'm going to be really unprepared for that when that happens if that happens or if it's the other way around if you lose me oh my god um yeah I said when that happens like I know the fucking date um wow that makes me feel so much better (laughs) it's fucking creepy oh god (laughs) uh, you know when you're taking I mean (laughs) oh my god (laughs) that's so so bad I'm sorry I'm sorry but when I mean, you're gone. When you're gone. Because, yeah. When I'm gone. gone when I'm gone. Someone kiss me when, when I'm gone. gone. Kiss me by the hair. Something everywhere. Oh, it's from Pitch Perfect. When I'm gone. Oh, is that the cup song? The cup song, yeah. Oh, my God. Really? It is. Anywho. Um, that one sucks. But it, it's true. It Yeah. And by sucks, we're talking about this quote, not the cup song. I actually like the cup song. I know it's been overplayed and stuff, but I like it. Yeah, it's still it was kinda it's cool. a good vibe. I need to practice that. We used to do it. We used to. Like a- Our friend Tristan, shout out Tristan. He was a friend of ours, a really close friend actually, when we were in high school. And he taught us that. And that was really cool. It was fun to break that out. Like yeah. in front of Because you people. look cool and as like introverts. <laughs> it was our just, sh- and as musicians, it just worked really well to just break that out. People, people Get a little pony like, trick. Or what is it? What pony is it called? trick? No, my bad. What? One trick pony. Oh, it was our one trick pony. Yeah. That's the phrase. Yeah, so it was our little one trick pony we'd bring out during a get together <laughs> or something. Yeah, quite literally. <laughs> so thanks, Tristan, for giving us that little little skill. <laughs> little rehearsal. Little trick with plastic cup. Yeah. Oh, uh, this is one that I hate. Right really so. bad. Here we go. Are you ready to hate this with me? Everyone deserves a second chance. Yeah, that is context-dependent, man. Context-dependent. Who is the person we're talking about? Because a narcissist will use that to their advantage with the, uh, everyone deserves a second chance. Oh, yeah. This is a little bit tricky, but I think this is also where 
forgiving people a lot in like a religious context can be dangerous to someone who's a victim. Right. Because if they have been a victim of a emotional, mental, physical abuse, right, and they're supposed to keep forgiving them, that can be dangerous if there's no behavioral change, no desire yeah, for the abuser like, to seek help. That can be dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, you got to get out of that. But that's what I'm saying. People can still look down on other people for separating even if there's been abuse, especially if it's been mental or emotional because there's no fucking bruises. It's like, you know, well, that person seems fine to me when they're in church. Yeah, well, you know, you're only seeing them in church when they're oh putting on their best face. So maybe shut your mouth. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's some dangerous shit right there. Yeah, no. And then when people think that they know your marriage or your relationships based on what they see in church, Ooh. it's like, oh, yeah, you need to be, what? You need to stay. You need to, it's amazing what people have the nerve to, to say. say. Agreed. Like, what they know. Oh, my God. Talk about being on your high horse. Yeah, talk about putting your nose where it don't belong. Yeah, like, okay, if you're in a relationship right now and the person literally keeps cheating and just keeps hurting you and they're like, please give me a second chance, really, it's been like 10. It's been more than 10, It's been way more than 10, and you keep wanting to do it out of the goodness of your heart. You're just like, look. Get the fuck out. Get out. Like, I mean it. Like, he can't, he's not, well, I'm assuming they're gender. They're not stopping. They're going to keep hurting you. Like, you got to get out of that. And it's not just cheating, guys. It's like, everything. There's been so much mental and emotional manipulation that's happened that people don't realize is wrong until they're out of it. Right. And if you've been feeling, one of the quotes that we were going to talk about was trusting your gut. Favorite quote, really. Yeah. yeah, because when we were growing up and stuff didn't feel right, our gut was telling us it didn't feel right. And sometimes there'd be times when we were just too scared right, of the consequences of trying to stop something from happening or change the circumstances that we didn't act. And if you are out there and you feel that feeling that something's wrong, please, please reach out. Please try oh to my get God. help. Yeah, 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 please. Because don't do that to yourself. Don't let that keep happening to yourself. Don't let this person keep doing that to you. Trust your gut. When it comes to this, when it comes to giving someone a second chance, whatever chance amount that means, trust your gut, trust your instincts. If you're feeling like that's a bad idea and that you're not safe by doing that or that they're going to take advantage of you again, maybe take a pause for the cause of that person. Take a step back, get time and distance distance and heal. Get out of the cycle 100%. Something about the trust your gut advice that almost now makes me want to put it in the neutral category, hearing it out loud, is that... Being surrounded by somebody who's manipulating you, they can make you feel guilty for stuff in your gut that wasn't your fault. True. And then, like, you want to trust that, but that's not... They manipulated your gut. Yes. To a certain degree. True. Time and distance still helps you heal from that. But there was a while where I was feeling guilty for the first time having a healthy space from somebody. And I felt guilty because of like self-esteem issues and because it was what I always knew. And so I just felt that it was wrong to abandon them. To, in some like, way. yeah. Or like they made me feel like it was wrong because of how they talked about it when you needed that. You needed that. Yeah. And that's tough to understand. I would say maybe trust your gut with a filter on to make sure that is it your abuser talking or you? Right. Right. Yeah. Is it the words of the abuser in your head or like the people who are toxic in your life? Is it what they've Put inside your mind? Yeah. Or is it you You. feeling uncomfortable, unsafe, 
red flags. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what is your own radar speaking? And what is what you've been conditioned to believe? If you're in that situation, I think seeking therapy is one of the best things you can do. And people who ground you, people who have your best interest in mind. Yes. Okay? Legitimate friends or family. People, not with their own agendas. Not with their own agendas. Sometimes strangers are good for this. There are, like, groups, I think, on Reddit and Facebook and... I mean, always feel free to shoot us a DM. We're not trained therapists or anything, but we love you guys and we want to make sure you're okay. Absolutely. But surround yourself with people who give a shit about your well-being. And if people have said to you already, hey, this doesn't look right or that's kind of weird, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, some of the best performers and narcissists in that sense go under their radars too, right? Because they're portraying a certain way when they're around people that are close to you. But if there are people who have said something to you, also consider their opinion about the situation. Yes. Like maybe they're onto something, right? Like maybe that's coming from somewhere legit. So please seek out people who have your best interest in mind, who have nothing to gain yep. from whether or not you stay together with this person. Should I stay or should I go? Dun, 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 uh, dun, 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 dun. That's such a good, that's such a good bop. All right. So this one, I tend to not like this one. Mom would say it a lot. She would. And I think she's kind of stopped, changed her stance on this. Oh, I think. Really? I mean, I need, you know what? I'm not going to speak on behalf of mom, but mom, let us know what you think after this episode. Like, love you, mom. We'll quote you <laughs> on what your, what your opinion is now. So the quote is, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Yeah. I hate this mm-hmm. because there's been so many times when what I wanted to say was the truth and it wasn't rainbows and butterflies. Uh-huh. And I didn't say it because, yeah, you could categorize it as not nice, right? It's not great for somebody to hear that they're being a dick. But if they're being a dick and I'm feeling unsafe, I need to be able to state a boundary. And I think this can get in the way of creating boundaries with other people. Absolutely. I know as a people pleaser, like I would hold on to this as a justification. Mm. Like, oh, okay, because this is the right thing to do. But you <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's the right thing to do? If you don't have anything nice to say, even if it's honest. Mm, don't say it at all. Don't say it at all because that's not the right thing to do. And that's... Mm, I think that's an oversimplification. Right, exactly. Yeah. No, I think sometimes confrontation doesn't feel nice mm-hmm. for either party. And you got to just do it. Because there are problems that just won't be solved by waiting and doing nothing about it. It's just, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, yeah, like there's some common themes here in this particular mm-hmm. set of uh, advice. But I, uh, yeah, no, I hate it because there were so many times where if I felt comfortable enough to state my feelings and to state my opinion, even if it wasn't great for the other person to hear, I could have created boundaries better. I could have voiced my own thoughts more, like instead of just going along with everything yeah. that maybe I didn't, I did have other gut feelings that sometimes pulled me away from what I was being trained and conditioned to believe. And you don't want to cause upset. You don't want to cause chaos in a home sometimes, you know? Yeah. You want to keep the peace. And I really have come to hate that yeah. as I've gotten older because I've embraced my ability to speak freely. Yeah. So much as an adult, because I feel like there's been part of me that has suppressed that growing up. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Yeah, No, I feel like I haven't been really speaking freely and I'm 23. 
I have just now adopted more of this, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all in regards to like handling conflict that needs to be resolved. I've just now started really talking openly about it. And I'm 23. And I've tried to practice that within this year. Like, because even if it's not nice, doesn't mean that you shouldn't communicate that. If they're being mean to you, like, you got to communicate that. Like, that's not okay. And I also want to encourage people, even if you're older than 23, it's okay to learn this now. Like, you know, better late than never. There's other people in our lives who are, you know, older than us, but they are still adopting healthier practices now. Like Right, you're never too, you're never yeah. too young or old to adopt to healthy practices. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Just don't be rude, like, just to say something mean there, to say something. But everybody knows that. But that's, I think, the difference here. There's a difference between being a bully yes. and having a boundary. And I think that's... Oh, I love that. That's what <gasps> I'm trying to say. <gasps> when I was growing up, I confused... That I confuse being a bully versus having a boundary. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And there are times when creating a boundary can feel very, very strange because it isn't all sunshine and rainbows. It really isn't. And you're used to having them trampled over. Like, yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, that's good. I love that. Oh, this is one that you say a lot. In the in the love it category. Yeah. It is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. I'll say it like that too. It is what it is. Yeah, or yeah, you do. the other alternative is it be what it be. <laughs> yeah, it be what it be. And sometimes you're just like, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, that's exactly how you say it. Well, what's your opinion on this one? Because I'm the one that says this, but... I like how when things are out of your control, you just, you have to let it go. Like, and I like that the pressure isn't on you to... You don't have to make it your problem to fix it when it wasn't even yours in the first place. You know, mm-hmm. just when stuff happens to you, it happens because it can be really hard to want to fix everything for everybody, yeah. for everybody that you love, you know, and it's hard to set that boundary right, with yourself. I usually say this quote in a way that is kind of like stoicism, which is another episode. Yeah. It is what it is. When I say it, usually it's at a point where I'm like, I've tried everything, everything or a lot of what's appropriate to do. Like before I'm getting into just dictator territory where I want to just take charge, take charge and impose on other people, right? By trying to not just get my way. And a lot of times it is wanting to rescue a family member from a shitty decision, right? right? Like, but you can't just swoop in and dictate other people's lives. Right. And so for me, it's not an excuse of, oh, you know, it is what it is. So I'm not going to do anything about it for my own life. I'm not talking about that. No. Whenever I say it, I'm always talking about, I need to let this go now. Like, this is beyond my control. It probably was from the start. And it is what it is. I need to accept that so Mm. I can fucking move forward. Using it as a way to accept. Yeah. And I think I can kind of use this in a way of thinking of my past and the not so great stuff that happened in my in my past. Like, okay, well, it just, it is what it is. And oh, that dismissing that dismissing the past, which isn't actually good. No. But I think I tend to use it more in that sense. Interesting. So. There's always someone who's going through worse. It is what it right, is. Right, it is what dismissing. it is. And I think I tend to use it in that way oh, more wow. than in your way, which is healthy. I see. Yeah. 
Like stuff that I'm so angry about, like in my past. Like I'm just like, well, whatever it is, what it is. But it's like, that's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now that phrase for me is more of, I need to take a chill pill, not an excuse and not a dismissal of things that actually do matter to me or things that have happened to me that matter. That's not usually the context with which I'm saying that phrase, but right. I hear what you're saying. Oh, yeah. well, that can be toxic for sure. Yeah. So do it Jack's way, not my way. <laughs> Go oh my god way. oh my god i love that song though i was looking at the next hate oh, it oh no okay and i hear this one a lot at my work this is my most hated quote i almost don't even want to say it out loud because it's awful to say it's so bad it feels gross in the mouth everything happens for a reason fuck you no it do- it doesn't <laughs> like just stuff happens because it just does it is what it is like there is that element yeah because for me when i hear everything happens for a reason i try to find what that reason is and i tend to go to myself and point towards myself and blame myself totally not the case i'm totally not associated with the bad thing it's easy to want to come up with a reason it's easier to blame yourself for everything Mm. we had talked a little bit about this before we started recording yeah we did about blaming ourselves for things that weren't even related to us at all. But no. in the context of a child's mind and yes. growing up with believing that certain actions have consequences and sometimes there can be consequences for sins that you commit right. or stuff like that, there are weird things you associate with being a reason or did my fault cause this Did my thing? one thought cause this whole catastrophic event to happen? Like, Yeah, like that's unbelievable for... A kid to be thinking, but that's what I was thinking. Something that was kind of weird. It was a weird coincidence, okay? I don't know if it's a coping mechanism or what it is. Stuff can be sad, and sometimes we laugh about it, and it's not. It's kind of (laughs) weird. So we had moved to a new house. Yeah. And we were moving our grandmother with us, and I had a really... Weird thought, like in the beginning of the day or the day before, the day before we moved her in, just looking out, we had a really big front yard and I was just looking out the front yard. I was like, as a kid, you know, puberty and just, you know, and I was like, it'd be really weird if grandma died the day we moved her in, you know, intrusive thoughts. They just, they come out of nowhere. And I just, I had this really weird thought. I'm like, it'd be so weird if she died the day that we moved her into this new house. And I kid you not. The next day, we moved our grandmother in, and she loved the new place, and she was like, this has been one of my most favorite days. She's like, I had one of my most favorite meals for dinner, and just, these are my favorite flowers that are, like, on the porch of this house, and I kid you not, I go upstairs to get ready for bed, and, like, washing my face, and I hear from our younger sibling, like, help, grandma has fallen on the floor and she she had a heart attack and she died the day we moved her in and so for a very long time i thought that my intrusive thought literally caused that to happen like manifested it manifested or it yeah exactly and i totally unintentionally you know i had the same thought right which that's weird the, the day fact, of the day of the so morning you and of. i both had the same thought of what if grandma died the day That'd we be moved so her in. weird yes and y'all it wasn't like she was on her deathbed like i'm saying she was fine she'd like, already been through so much she had been through a lot of stuff there was no reason for us to particularly think that it wasn't weird like that no it wasn't like she had been struggling and like we weren't sure if she was gonna make it it was nothing like that it was literally random 
It was truly an intrusive thought. Like the definition of it, and she did. Like, and she literally, she died. did pass away. Weirdest thing that arguably <laughs> ever happened to us. One of the weirdest well, things. Well, <laughs> and I have a not lighthearted story, but a funny story along the same lines. We had another death in the family. This was before grandma's passing, actually. So this is a few years before. And, oh my God. Oh my I can't God. believe I'm going to talk about this. So, growing up, you know, as a, I guess I was a really horny kid. I mean, I, I guess that's yeah, you really. Were. Okay. So, anyway, I, I think you were sheltered and horny at the same time. Look, I masturbated a lot for a girl. Let's just say what it for is. For a girl? I think so. You don't know? I mean, I haven't really asked a lot of other girls. <laughs> so the real question is, how often did you masturbate oh as a kid? God. Under 10. We're really diverting here. But <laughs> like, this is... Oh, I love you, Grandma. This isn't Grandma, though. I know. <laughs> so one of my uncles passed away. And... <laughs> what? Sorry. And anyway, like, the day or two before this happened, okay... I, before going to bed, I had a certain habit of trying to help myself fall asleep with a little good feelings, <laughs> some good feelings, but I started to feel very guilty about them. And we want to do an episode sometime about religious trauma, but I felt like every time that I did this, I was sinning. At this point in my life, I didn't even fully know what it was, like not totally, but I felt this guilt. I felt immense guilt for feeling some good feelings before sleeping. And I made a promise to God. I said, God. <laughs> oh, how old were you? I don't know. I was like. 10? We moved to this house in 2006. So, that's, so you were like eight. I can't remember exactly how old I was. It was between nine and 12. Okay. okay. It was between nine and 12. And to reiterate, okay, we were growing up in a very religious household. Okay. Sheltered. Very sheltered. Max. Very religious. And I made a promise to God. I said, God, unless this has to do with making babies, <laughs> I think it's what I said, like having Aww. children, I'm not going to do this again. <laughs> Aww. And that didn't last long. <laughs> right. So I had fucked up, you know, <laughs> broken my promise to God. And my uncle dies. <laughs> and my first thought, for some reason, for some weird reason, is, is it because I broke my promise to God? Oh God. No, I, and I was in tears. Like, I thought there was some legitimacy to this, okay? Yeah. And I talked to mom about it. It was her brother who passed away. And <laughs> I said, mom, oh. I was like, you remember that thing I used to do, you know? <laughs> oh my God, no. <laughs> It was the worst conversation. I think I wrote it down, too. Like, I had this habit of writing down things that I was too scared to say out loud. Oh, my God. So I think I wrote her, like, a little letter, and I gave it to her. Oh. And I was like, I did this thing. Honey, you didn't kill Uncle Bo. <laughs> I know that, right? I know that. But as a kid, okay, I was very impressionable when it came to consequences of sins and such, right? Yeah. So I thought that this uncle dropped dead because I broke my promise to God. And I did ascribe blame to myself very quickly because that it's just easy was, to blame yourself. Well, that's also kind of, I think, just how we were growing up. Like we thought if you did this, it meant this. Like there was right. direct 
correlations with certain events, even when there wasn't any. Especially when you believe everything happens for a reason. Yeah, and I—crazy story, weird story, but no, I did not kill him. It was a really sad death. It's so sad that you thought that. Like, as a kid, like, you're sitting alone in this feeling, like, that you— Made this thing happen. I was in tears. I felt so bad. That's so sad. And my mom was probably thinking, what the fuck is happening here? Like, how is she How is she putting two and two together? <laughs> like, but she comforted me. She's like, no, honey, it's not. You know, he had other health issues. It's all good. But it was... But then you're still kind of worried deep down. So to also clarify, I had significant issues with OCD around this time. Like, I truly was in the middle of this here. So that's another thing is there are some religious things you can kind of become obsessed with as well. Okay. And I think I needed her validation. Like, I needed her validation to tell me it was okay because I couldn't convince myself. So her validation helped me feel better about it. Because I'm like, well, she knows. Like, I'm telling her every detail here. Yeah. You know, about the promise I made and that I broke it. And she's telling me it's not my fault. So I guess she knows. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) This is the lighthearted thing, but the thing is, is I've heard everything happens for a reason with awful deaths. I believe people have even said it to people who have gone through, like, serious traumas as well. And I'm like... People will say to you, as something bad is happening to you. Like, and like as it's, it's happening. Happen- it's, it's happening for a reason. God's going to show himself through this. I've heard it in a secular and a religious context. I've heard this really? phrase heard both in both ways. And I cannot believe it exists to begin with, to be honest yeah. with you. I don't know how you tell a parent of a child and their kid died that that happened for a reason. I don't know how you do that. Yeah, no, no, I don't right, know. exactly. And people have, and, and people I think do that's, that. I I can't believe that. I hate that phrase. We hate, we hate it. that phrase. It's my least favorite phrase. I still see it being said, and I find that I'm like, if I hear somebody say that to somebody that like I know in church or something, I'll follow up that conversation and be like, hey, like just making sure, like. <laughs> You're not the reason that something bad has happened. Like, making sure that they don't feel the way that you and I have felt in the past in regards to that stuff. Like, I feel like I'm trying to fix that. (laughs) All right, so this one, I don't really know exactly how I feel about it, but... I know. I have mixed feelings. It's like, I guess it's pretty neutral, but dislike. I feel like it's a neutral slash dislike. Okay, the, the quote is, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. I don't really know how I feel about that one. I kind of understand it. Like, I think the people who ground you, your close friends, your close family, like, they need to be the closest. But when it comes to understanding your enemy, it's like you also have to know them very well. So that way you don't get hurt by them. In a proactive sense? In a proactive. Like studying them enough to know. Right. How they could hurt you. How they could exploit you. Right. Yeah. I do think that, Maybe that's a bit of a different phrase, which is study your enemies. Yeah, not keep them close. Like you don't, yeah. you don't want to keep the people who ru- <laughs> who ruin your life, like the closest to you. Like that, that doesn't. Yeah. So I guess workshopping that and making it sound different. Yeah. Keep your friends close, and do the homework. And on understand your enemies. Your enemies. <laughs> well, and maybe understand your enemies like a friend. Like, know why they are the way that they are. So they can't hurt you? I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a dramatic phrase. Yeah, it is dramatic. I would maybe even replace enemies with toxic people. Yeah. As in, like, 
if you have to come in contact with certain people, know yourself and know them enough to know what you need to be guarded with. Yeah. I think it's more like be self-aware and aware of them. Yeah. But I wouldn't want them to be my best buddies if they really right. are that that's, toxic. That's, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's oddly vague. Like It is vague. Yeah. So a love it one. Oh, and I love the way that you've workshopped this one because this is one that we heard a lot growing up and it was don't give 100%, give 110%. In like everything that you do. And everything that you do. Can you explain how you've... Because we thought that it meant like in your worst moments when your depression is the worst, when everything's the worst, you have to act like you are on your best mental health day, your best performance, like all the time. And so... I don't think it's sustainable because it hasn't been sustainable for me. I do love the phrase still. I like the idea that sometimes 110% is also equating it to going that extra mile where it's like maybe I need to spend just a little bit more time on this project, on this task, on this conversation. Giving something 110%, I like what that indicates because it's just saying do a little extra than you typically would. I really like that. The change that I have is instead of thinking about 110% equaling perfect performance, which is about another quote we'll get to in a second. But instead of it being perfect performance equals 110%, it's giving that effort, 110% effort, and that's going to look different on specific days. Like we were talking about earlier, if I'm in that pit that I mentioned a few quotes back, 110% for me then looks different than 110% for me now because of where I am mentally. So you've got to be able to kind of know your own limits there. And sometimes 110% is maybe taking a shower. Yeah. Maybe taking a shower and maybe making your bed. Yeah. You know, instead of just not making your bed. Instead of conquering the whole world and putting all that pressure on yourself when when it's hard to get out of bed. Yeah. So 110%, but that can look differently. Yeah. No, I love that. I love the way that you've workshopped that because I find it to be triggering on the days where I'm like, it's hard to get a shower and it's hard to make the bed. So I'm glad that you made it realistic. Yeah. So this one I hate. Oh my God. Okay. So I still hate, I think everything happens for a reason more. Yeah. I think. I agree. But this one, okay. The original is practice makes perfect. And what we grew up with, the 2.0 version of that was perfect practice makes perfect. I hate both. I hate both. Because perfect is in both. Right. And that's the problem. That's the problem. Okay, we're musicians, so we would practice music all the time. And so the expectation was you had to sight read stuff or you had to like practice this new song you've never heard before and play it perfectly the very first time. And it's like, are you serious? Like, that's just... And it's not even, you know, practice makes perfect. It's not practice makes as in a goal to create something that you love to play for yourself. It's all about perfection and crossing your T's and dotting your I's. It's not about anything really musical. It's just about... I also think it kind of does what do or do not does, which is paralyze you. Yes. Because you have to practice to be better than you were the last time you played. It's not practicing to be perfect the first session that you start learning a piece or trying to practice a new technique. It's like, that is ridiculous. Yeah. 
because it puts, again, too much pressure on something that's supposed to allow you the freedom of messing up so you can learn. I think right, that, that's what practice is supposed to be. Right. So I think as soon as you add perfection to what's supposed to be a safe practice setting, you take yes. away from the ability to learn because people don't feel safe to. They can't. Yes. They can't fuck up. And that's, oh, that's essential. So true. It's essential to being able to learn and to grow. You have to be able to fuck up. Yes, that's so true. You have to mess up. So I think that's very, very wrong. I think it's more like thorough practice makes better. I think that there yeah. is a way that you can practice poorly. But I think it's like the quote that we're going to talk about a little bit later on was do it right the now, first time. Actually. Okay. But our teacher, our first and second grade teacher would tell us that a lot. Do it right the first time, which means like, don't rush the... <laughs> don't have ass. Don't have ass something to just get it done to go on to the next thing or to play with your friends or whatever. And don't handle practicing that way. Don't rush it just to... To get go, it done. To get it done. To say you to did it. To fill your 30-minute slot when you haven't really been paying attention and doing it thoroughly. Right. There's ways where you can be thorough to where that 30-minute block or that four-hour block actually does something for you. Right. There's also a similar thing, a similar quote for the doing it right the first time, which is, if you don't have the time to do it right, when will you have the time to do it over? Oh, my God. By John Wooden. So keep that in mind. I also think that if you're doing it right the first time, that doesn't mean perfect. Right, 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 right. That means maybe giving it 110% effort right. instead of 60%. You yeah. know what I mean? Like truly like just putting your best foot forward. And that looks I've, different on the days when you're really depressed. It does. So if practicing means 30 minutes, if it means 10 minutes instead of your normal hour blocks that you do, it's better to do it than to not. That's where I start to fall to because sometimes it's tricky to do things how you want to, like to yep. do things how you plan them. So, and that also ties into progress over perfection. Yes. Because I do think that it is better to do a little bit than nothing at all. It really is. And But growing up where it's it has to be all or nothing, that just takes away. The learning process, the like learning you said, which is can be a beautiful experience, and that's nothing to be ashamed about. No, no. Kind of like what we're doing now in our adulthood, relearning stuff, and that's not nothing to be ashamed about. Like, Yeah. Oh, we got the last hate it one. Oh, my God. I really hate this one. It's almost true, but it's fake it till you make it. And I don't like it from the standpoint is that you have to fake something about yourself in order to be successful. It's like, why do you have to fake be something? I realized in college that I could totally fake being confident and looking like I've got it all together. And I totally don't believe in myself at the same time. Whereas it's a lot more, it lines you up for success better when you actually believe in yourself a little bit, because then you're not faking confident all that confidence to a certain degree it's like if you believe in yourself a little bit that's gonna show that's gonna help make it not just a fantasy right it's gonna not be all your imagination if you can find a little bit of authentic believing in yourself that's enough to maybe get you through something yes and maybe that'll grow from there because you did do something because right. you did believe even a little bit you didn't just fake it to get through the thing and just going to fake it again tomorrow because you don't believe in anything. Because that's exhausting. Right. It's exhausting and it's not sustainable. It's essentially lying 
Mm-hmm. Yes. But you're embodying that lie. Yeah. Which is also, I think, takes a physical toll yeah. on yourself. And I've also found that when this was happening to me, especially when I was like in the midst of a lot of depression and I'd put on a certain face when I was around certain people, the juxtaposition of when I was with those people and putting on that face and then being home alone and like everything coming back, every negative disgusting thought and feeling coming back like those were so polar opposite right. and it's like that is a weird thing to go back and forth between mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. let anybody in to that like not let anybody help maybe make your connection and that spark of light a reality instead yeah. of just pretending that it's there because there were certain relationships I had that were real it's just like again I wasn't seeing it so Mm-hmm. I would have much rather have had just a little bit more genuine belief in myself because I think it would have made it a little less shocking to go from I'm alone and I hate myself to these people kind of seem to like me oh. a little bit. Like I also would have... You would have believed it. Yeah, and I think that would have helped that whole process a little bit because if I believe myself a little bit, then it gets easier believe that to, you believe, have friends. to believe that you have friends, believe that you have people in your life who care about believe you. Believe that your boyfriend thinks you're beautiful. Sure. Kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. We're at full circle. I only got one more. I only got one more. And we kind of touched on it earlier. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah. The good and the bad of it. The trust your gut. Yeah. And bottom line with that is just make sure that the voice of your gut is your voice and not, I would also add, not an abuser, not a mental illness. Yes, 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 a hundred percent. It's filtering out to get to what filtering your voice out is to find where you are in it with trusting your gut. Wait. Oh, that's so good. So, when it comes to trusting your gut, a lot of the times your gut is right, but filter out whose voice is behind it. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that you're. Mental illness, it doesn't define who you are. No, it doesn't. And it will try to take control of you. Back to uh, Princess Bride. It's not all me. It's yeah. mostly me. It's <laughs> not all dead. Mostly dead. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. This was a lot. This was a lot. Wow. Thank you for hanging in with us, guys. Yeah. For real. If you've listened to all this so far, and I hope that you found something that was like helpful. And I don't know. Maybe you could look at something a little bit differently than you had in the past. As we were working on it, it was interesting to know where we kind of look at the same thing differently or yes. what our go-to interpretation of a certain line of advice and how that influences our life. Like, it's just interesting how it varies between us and we're so close. Right, right. A hundred percent. I'm so excited to hear what other people have to say about different ones and if they have any, they would add to the list. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do we miss? Yeah, what do you love? What do you hate? What do you think is kind of a neutral piece of advice? Please let us know. Oh, my God. I definitely want to know. Ditto. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, we love you. We're rooting for you. And you matter. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening.